In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Times. Carla, what's in your head? In my head? In your head. Um, brains? <laughs> Carla, what's in your head? Brains. In your head. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Carla, I'm going to ask you one more time. What's in your head? In your head. Zombies. Zombies. <laughs> zombies. Oh, wow. I didn't think I would have to sing the entire fucking song. <laughs> I forgot what we were doing. Which, which genre we were on. You, you almost answered meta or, <laughs> or evil dead trilogy um <laughs> we have a lot to catch up on we do have a lot to catch on craig's listeners uh but uh today we're talking about zombies and yes i know that song is about the troubles in northern ireland but they say the word zombie a bunch of times <laughs> and uh that's good enough for me uh it's halloween morning as we record this it is and i'm drinking pumpkin coffee kind of gross, but I'm going with it. How did you acquire pumpkin coffee? I got it from Imperfect Foods in our delivery a couple weeks ago. Okay. I, I don't know. Sometimes I check my email in the middle of the night, and then I do things on email that I don't mean to do. Anyways, I checked my email, and it said, time to place your order. And then pumpkin coffee showed up, and I was like, I guess I must have ordered this in the middle of the night. <laughs> And I hate wasting stuff, so I'm I'm pressing forward. Carla sleepwalks, she sleep talks, <laughs> and she sleep orders. Last night, <laughs> last night, uh, for the first, I got a new humidifier because I have I'm having asthma problems. People, if you have any asthma tips, I'm a new asthma person. Please feel free to tweet them. At there's Craigslist no there's no time for that. <laughs> so I got this humidifier. I don't know because I thought maybe it might help. And then I woke up this morning, and it was on the other side of the room. You had moved the humidifier in the middle of the night. Yeah, for some reason, I decided I didn't want it next to my face, I guess. Now, we're sure that's not a poltergeist, or... I'm pretty sure it was probably me. Because <laughs> I kind of vaguely remember setting it on the dresser and being like, is this going to fall? The monster is you, Carla. It is. These little tangents are okay. <laughs> Who says they're not? Exactly. Exactly. Um, coffee is already gross to me, so the idea of pumpkin coffee sounds particularly nasty. It's not great, but it's seasonal, so let's enjoy the season. Tis this, the season. Everything becomes pumpkin flavored. Pumpkin. Pumpkin flavored in uh, mid-October. <laughs> uh, but how are we expecting to celebrate Halloween today? Um, I have to teach. Great. <laughs> and then I think I'm going to go to the store and get some candy and get some candy corn. You want candy corn? I love candy corn. I don't mind it in small amounts. 
Do you really want a bag of candy corn? Yeah, I get a bag every year. Okay. For a while there, my improv students were bringing me candy corn every year, which was kind of amazing. It's just pure corn syrup, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, what are we doing after that? Oh, you have a thrilling adventure hour show. At 5 o'clock Pacific. This will come out after that, right? Well, I'm not plugging it. I'm just saying that <laughs> that's, that's when uh, it is. Hopefully you've already plugged it. Um, and then we're going to watch a sketch show that our friends at the Siren Theater in Portland, Oregon are putting on online, um, a Blair Witch Project parody. So it will um, pair nicely with our Blair Witch from earlier this month. Yeah. And then we're watching our final movie of this spooky times. Thirty Number 31 of 31. Yeah, we've actually done it, Craig. I mean, we still have tonight to screw it up, but... Well, this is one of three podcasts we have to record, so obviously some of these will come out in the month of October, no... November. November. October, no November. October, no November. So we're we're doing zombies today, we're doing two of the Evil Dead movies, and then we're ending on a trilogy of meta movies. Don't tell them what they are. Okay. If you follow me on Instagram at Carla Kakowski, then you will know what they are. You know what? And you should be following her on Instagram. (laughs) I recently opened my private account to freedom. (laughs) So you can follow me. And as long as you don't send me um, mean things, we can be pals. What kind of mean things do you think people might send you? Well, there was a guy who was commenting on my photos about me. I, I, okay. I put it on private last spring maybe because there was this guy who said that I should reconsider wanting to have children. Oh, yikes. And the only thing I could think of was that he maybe listened to this podcast and I had said that at some point and it really bummed me out. And then like every, all of my friends started attacking him on it, (laughs) which, you know, did this get too weird and serious? No, that's fine. But, uh, uh, Lister, if you're, if you're still, if you're still listening in, he was perfectly fine before then. Yeah. And then I was like, I can't deal with this. That crossed a line. Yeah. But I think I have more lines than most people on social media, meaning maybe I'm a little sensitive. That's that's fine. Everybody is allowed to set their own parameters for their comfort level on social media. Yeah. Anyway, and- so mine is open right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's called freedom. Freedom to follow Carla. And so they that might change again. But actually, um, some people have been messaging me, and they've been really nice. Everybody's been so nice. So if you've messaged me, I hope that I've at least liked it and whatever. One guy (laughs) made me laugh because he had posted because we were watching Tucker and Dale. Uh Uh-oh, I gave away one of the movies. Oh, Carla, you're going (laughs) to – Oh, no, it wasn't that. It was from Evil Dead. Yeah, well, you burned it anyway. (laughs) The, The one where he's like, kiss me, baby. What's that quote? Give me some sugar, baby. Give me some sugar, baby. And he wrote that to me. And I didn't actually see it. And then he wrote again and he was like, I'm sorry. I was just quoting that movie. I didn't. I wasn't <laughs> and I was like, no, it's fine. <laughs> I didn't think you were. <laughs> so give me some sugar, baby. Doesn't cross a line for you on social media. No. Well, it was in quotes. Yes. <laughs> and I got it. I when got there are it. context clues. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was very funny. Okay. So... Is this too long of a tangent? I think this is a great tangent, Carla. <laughs> we're in a good mood on Halloween morning. Yeah. And uh, we're almost done with this project. Almost. So let's talk about zombies. Yeah. 
This was the one I was most nervous about. Why is that? Off towards the end. I think, you know, some of the scariest movies I've ever seen have been zombie movies. Certainly Wreck, which we covered, was that the first episode? Found footage. Yeah, in the found footage. That's a zombie movie. That terrified me. But also, um, um, what was the Sarah Polly zombie movie? It was a remake, right? It's Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. That one terrified me. And then 28 Days Later? Yep. Really scared me. Um, but then also on top of that, I have zombie fatigue. Like there's just a ton of zombie stuff. There's a lot of zombie stuff out there. And there has been for the last 20 years, it feels like. Well, certainly since The Walking Dead became a television series, which it's still one of the best pilots I've ever seen. But we totally pieced out after season two, I think. Oh, I stuck around a little longer. I maybe was out in season four, oh. I think. But uh, you've got Zombie Land, you've got yeah. World War Z, you've got Warm Bodies. Right. Uh, they're they're out there. They're out there in pop culture, and maybe a little played out. I mean, it's fun. I don't want to say that I don't like zombie stuff. I think it's super fun. I just was. Anyways, I was kind of like, I don't want to watch zombie movies. Um, <laughs> but we did. Honestly, for me, I don't know that zombies are, would be among my top scares. Really, me. with all the plague stuff going on right now, I know that that's that's partially why they're they've been so popular in the 21st century, right? Because yeah. we have the end of the world on our minds, right? And it feels especially apropos with the pandemic going on now. Well, yeah, right? all of them or a lot of them are, are are like this started because of virus. Yes, I guess a single zombie doesn't scare me that much. Because they're right. relatively easy to defeat. They're slow moving for the most part. Yeah, but the, not the ones I'm talking about. You're talking about fast zombies. Yeah, Dawn of the Dead and 28 Days Later. Those were like, that was the beginning of the fast zombie. <laughs> the right? fast zombie renaissance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I also think that you are somebody who has death on your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess so. You're a worst case scenario thinker. Yeah. Uh, your mind can turn to morbid thoughts. I don't know. I'm on Lexapro now, so I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> okay, but old Carla, <laughs> pre freedom Carla, right? Would uh, would kind of uh, obsess about that, thinking about the weight of that of of dealing with an apocalyptic situation. Yes, uh, is is emotionally stressful for you. Yes, exactly. I think, but some zombie movies are, are scarier than others, mm-hmm. certainly. And I think it's when you get a bunch of zombies working in tandem that yeah. that's scary to me. It's the collective zombie right uh, effect that I guess freaks me out a little bit. Yeah, and also I guess the thought that I would not be up for the task. No, you would be dead. <laughs> you would maybe be the first or second one to die. I think I would last. Out of everyone on Earth? <laughs> Out of the people that we know. Okay. <laughs> if I'm the second, who's the first? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> um, I would. I think I would last longer than you in a zombie apocalypse. I think you're absolutely right. Because I'm pretty prepared for the worst case scenario, like we said already. Yes. Well. You heard a podcast about the big one, the earthquake happening in L.A., and we got 
tons of uh, earthquake go kits. Like the next day? Yeah, we have one in each of our cars. We have one in our closet, and uh, our house is uh, is earthquake ready. It is. We have uh, shoes by our bed. Yeah. Because that's how you hurt yourself, right? Is stepping on broken glass. Correct. In your bare feet. But if I was really serious about it, we wouldn't be living in Los Angeles. Touche. You know, like we'd be living in in the woods somewhere. <laughs> oh, you want to go deep in the woods? Have you learned nothing from <laughs> I'm not horror movies? That I want to. I'm saying that's where you should go to avoid earthquakes. Where do you go to avoid zombies? I don't know. Water. Which I know they try to do in some of those movies, and it doesn't work out. <laughs> well, the movies we're covering today are the original zombie movie, uh, Night of the Living Dead, 1968, George Romero. We're also covering Shaun of the Dead, a comedy from 2004, and a fairly recent Korean film called Train to Busan, which came out in 2016. So I felt like we had a nice range of different zombie stuff to talk about. Yeah, I think we what we've learned doing this is that it's nice to like pick one genre of horror film and then pick different genres within that genre as opposed to like trying to do similar movies. So we have old school, we have parody, yeah, and we have new school fast zombies. Yep. Yeah, and uh, this was really interesting and informative to watch these three. I agree. To see where they overlap and, and where they differ. When you say original zombie movie, that wasn't the first zombie movie, was it? Well, I'll tell you what George Romero did with Night of the Living Dead. Uh, the whole idea of zombies eating human flesh, George Romero. Really? The whole idea of zombies uh, being slow moving, <laughs> that's George Romero. Also, the word zombie is never said in the – maybe it's said once in the movie, but uh, he did not intend for them to be zombies. He referred to them as ghouls. Oh. And I think it really wasn't until the sequel, Dawn of the Dead, which came out 10 years later, that the, the concept of, of them being zombies was kind of solidified. Uh, certainly, he did not invent the concept of zombies. It's something from Haitian and maybe African mythology, which is basically returning, you know, the undead to life. Mm. Uh, but the idea of zombies being cannibals specifically was invented by this movie. Oh. And I think it also kind of opened up a whole new realm of horror, of low budget horror. Uh, this movie was shot for $114,000 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wow. And which would be the equivalent of about $847,000 in, uh, current money. And it grossed approximately $30 million, which would be equivalent to $223 million Wowzers. Cha-ching, George Romero. Cha-ching. This is also one of the last movies that was released without a rating before the ratings board started. And Roger Ebert has an early review of this movie where he talks about watching kids watch this movie and like starting out like it's fun scary and then it just becomes disturbing scary and way too gross and graphic, certainly compared to anything that was being shown on the big screen at the time. Wow. And so I think this is maybe one of those movies that prompted them to get the ratings board wow, started. Wow, cool. So, you know, this movie was about as independent as you could get. Uh, well, let's go through the movie a little bit with a segment that we like to call Carla's Quotes. 
She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's clothes. Carla, had you ever seen Night of the Living Dead before? Never saw it. I've never seen it. It was never seen by me. <laughs> Have you seen any of the original George Romero movies? I, there was one in a mall, right? Well, that's Dawn of the Dead. You definitely have seen the remake with Sarah Polly. Did I you see the original? I saw the original, original too. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I remember seeing that in high school with my friends, like at a, you know, like let's watch a, a gross, scary movie together. And I remember being kind of bored by it. <clears throat> really? I just remember it feels very 70s. Like it doesn't feel timeless. It's also shot at the Monroeville Mall in right outside of Pittsburgh, which is right by my grandparents' house. And so that's where when I would visit them over Christmas, we would always go to the Monroeville Mall oh, to look weird. at the Christmas decorations. And as a teenager watching that movie and realizing of like, wait a minute, this is a familiar place to me. It only kind of dawned dawned on me halfway through the movie. They don't move fast in that one, though, right? Nope. They're slow zombies. Right. And uh, I've never revisited since. I, won- I, I It's definitely, you know, considered one of the best. You know, maybe I just wasn't in the right mood for it, or maybe it's a little dated. I, I don't know. I, I'd be curious to take a look at it. But I do remember that sequel being really well made and, and scary. That yeah. was... Zack Schneider, I, I think. Who's that? He did Watchmen and then a bunch of DC movies uh-huh. and uh, that people hate. So. <laughs> so don't tweet us about it. Which DC movies? Uh, Superman, Man of Steel. Oh, okay. And uh, Suicide Squad, I oh, think. Okay. Yeah. He's one of those directors that everybody hates because he doesn't do the comic books the way that people want their comic books done. Got it. Which is fair. Like, why do it if you're not going to do it the way it's done? <laughs> Amen, sister. I saw this maybe 10, 12 years ago or something because I think it was like a blind spot for me of like, well, I should watch the original Night of the Living Dead. Uh, so this is, but I don't really remember that much uh, about it. Uh, and it's really interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some movies that are so influential. That to watch them now feels a little bit like watching a museum piece. So it's maybe a little unfair to the original movie because it's been copied so many times that it feels a little mild going back to the original. Did you have that feeling as well? Um, I didn't. I had more the feeling that it felt low budget, but not in a bad way. More in like... I kind of saw what they were doing um, maybe in a way that I wasn't intended to, but I was able to appreciate how cool it was. Like the the things that they were doing were, yeah. We're working with what we got. Exactly. Small cast, uh, one location for the most part that hold up at a, uh, at a farmhouse, the the whole movie after the original scene at the, the graveyard. Like about 10 minutes into them being at that house, I was like, oh, this is all going to take place in the house. Oh, that's cool. You know? And then that feels like a staple of especially Walking Dead of like a bunch of disparate people kind of hold up together and getting in disagreements about how to handle the the zombies. Mm -hmm. One thing that's really kind of unique and interesting about this movie and gives it a whole nother set of interpretations that were maybe unintentional by the filmmaker's part is that the lead – 
uh, Dwayne Jones is an African American man, mm-hmm. which was very unusual at the time in 1968. Uh, and he's really good. What do you mean it wasn't intentional? I mean that they did not intend to bring social uh, interpretations uh, by casting a black lead. You don't think so? Not according to George Romero. He said he just cast the best actor for the part. Really? Oh, wow. I totally walked away thinking like that it was a... Metaphor? Um, yeah, or, yeah, or a comment on, first of all, police brutality and also just, yeah, racism. It's impossible not to read that way now, yeah. right? Because, skip to the ending, uh, he's the last one alive at the house, but as the uh, police are going through, uh, kind of taking down all the zombies during the the day, you know, they shoot and kill him uh, without checking to see if he's human or not. And then he's just added to the pile of bodies of the zombies. And so there's only one way for us to interpret that now. And I'm sure people at the time interpreted that way too. I mean, it's the same year that uh, MLK was assassinated, right? Right. right. Uh, But at least according to George Romero, that was not the intention. That's fishy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if he says so, I guess we have to take his word for it, but okay. I mean, I, I, I'm not arguing that the guy's a great actor. I think he's a great actor, but it just, even the cops seem like, like small town racist cops. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So the opening movie of a brother and sister, they're visiting their father's grave, right? Barbara and, uh, and Johnny. Johnny. (laughs) Uh, there's that line, they're coming for you, Barbara, uh, which, which he's mocking her, uh, with. And of course that was used, uh, by Nick Frost in Shaun of the Dead when he says, we're coming for you, Barbara, over the phone when they're going to get his, they're going to get Sean's mom. Yeah. Uh, but the brother is a real asshole. Yeah. And Carla said, Jesus, this guy sucks. <laughs> and it is, I, I don't think this movie invented the trope of the asshole you love to see get killed, but he's yeah. definitely like a prime example of it, right? Right. But then he does try to save his sister, which is really nice. So he redeems himself right slightly at the end. But then he becomes a zombie and uh, is he the one who eats her later? She sees him, right? Yeah. I don't know. Don't they just pull her out? We don't really see her get eaten. I, I agree that the low budget kind of works for the creepiness. It does. Of it. It, it. it sets a mood. It makes it feel kind of scuzzy and dirty. Yeah. The uh, the music is a little relentless in it. Uh, and I, I don't know if it added to the tension. Uh, but what I found out is that it's all, they could not afford a composer. So it's all stock public domain music that was like from a low budget sci-fi movie from a, from the fifties. So that's why to me for 1968, the music felt, uh, didn't feel right for the time for some reason for me. But again, they were just working with what they got. Um, when they destroy his car, Carla said, God damn, these zombies are smart. (laughs) And, Barbara, I guess, was written as uh, as a stronger lead. And when they remade the movie later, they kind of uh, redid the character of Barbara. But they just enjoyed the actress's weaker take on it. Like, that was just her interpretation that she was freaked out. And she almost goes, like, catatonic. Yeah. Right? So, wait, they remade this? 
Yeah. Did I know that? I don't know. Wait, what? So they wrote it where she was a stronger character and then they filmed it and the actress's interpretation was weaker. When they cast this actress, uh, it wasn't quite what they had uh, imagined. So when they made it again later, they changed the character of Barbara to make her stronger. I didn't see the remake. Who's in the remake? I don't know. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, I'm glad they did because I wanted her to do more. Yeah. Carla said, yeah, stop being annoying. (laughs) She's worthless. <laughs> she is. He's uh, really nice to her. He's pretty understanding. Yeah. Though there is that that old man slapping a woman trope. Right. Too. She kind of deserved it though. <laughs> oh, Carla. <laughs> Where's the old Carla? <laughs> Here's some more Carla's quotes on Barbara. Uh, on the slap, meh. She kind of deserved it. <laughs> Oh my God, she's such a useless pest. I need for her to get her shit together so she's more interesting to me. Yeah. <laughs> the cast kind of feel a little like local theater actors, which is exactly what they are. I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just what it feels like. Mm-hmm. I would definitely be the guy in the basement, Mr. Cooper, <laughs> 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 who's kind of like the more cowardly guy who just wants to hide in the basement and not go anywhere. And he's there Read with his wife. And daughter who was bit and is clearly going to turn into a zombie at some point, right? Yeah. At one point, I think uh, the lead guy says, uh, it's hot in here. And Carla said, so take off all your clothes. (laughs) One thing I think is really well done in here is like the news reports. It feels a little bit like an Orson Welles War of the Worlds type thing. I definitely got that vibe too. As you get the sense that the world at large is kind of dealing with this so that's always a staple of any zombie movie right uh, train to busan kind of covers that too and Shaun of the dead mm-hmm. you know how it's being covered and how it gets progressively worse until the stations just go off the air right right which is always kind of ominous uh and i really like that scene set in washington too like that felt a little like uh, a precursor to a found footage movie yeah in a way the george romero plays the reporter in the washington scene oh. And then the guy who's the field reporter, uh, who's kind of who's kind of covering it at the end, apparently was a local Pittsburgh anchor. But he also was the guy who introduced the horror movies on weekends, like dressed up as a vampire. Really? And Joe Flaherty from SCTV, who is a Pittsburgh native, based the character of Count Floyd oh, uh, off of this guy. How funny! The idea of the local anchorman who also is the uh, the horror movie host. Your research on this one is a plus. Why, thank you, Carla. I can't always say that, but this time. <laughs> well, that should be a new tradition: is how uh, grade my research at the end. <laughs> It's just because it's so important historically, like there's just lots of great trivia about it. You want a little more? Yeah. Uh, when the zombies are eating the bodies in the burnt out truck, they were actually eating roast ham covered in chocolate sauce. Ew. <laughs> I already don't like ham, but. <laughs> but maybe you'd like it more with a little chocolate maybe on it. I would. Uh, but in black and white movies, that's what they would traditionally use for blood is just chocolate syrup. That's what they use in Psycho, too, right? Yeah, that's what Hitchcock used in Psycho. I mean, it looks great. It reads yeah. like blood. The filmmakers joked it was so nausea-inducing, it was almost a waste of time putting the makeup on the zombies as they ended up looking pale and sick anyway. Uh. 
Screenwriter John A. Russo appears as the zombie who gets killed by Ben with a tire iron. He also allowed himself to be set on fire for real when nobody else wanted to do the stunt. Wow. George A. Romero approved of his co-writer's zombie walk, and Russo stated, I was probably hungover. (laughs) So, (laughs) to think that that traditional, like, zombie lurch uh, that the screenwriter just started because he was hungover, (laughs) and now it's a tradition. And here's a little bit on Harry Cooper, the father in the basement. Actor co he was a co-producer of the film too. Carl Hardman also served as makeup artist, electronic sound effects engineer, and took the still photos used for the closing credits. Wow! So it was a real indie production where everybody was just weighing in in whatever way that they could. Oh, and do you? Uh, what, what's the most famous TV show shot in Pittsburgh? The most famous TV. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's local PBS. It was on for years. It's a children's show. There's been a couple movies about it recently. Oh, Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers Neighborhood shot in Pittsburgh. So George Romero started out making shorts for Mr. Rogers and he wanted to cast, uh, Betty Aberlin, Lady Aberlin of, uh, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood as Barbara. And Fred Rogers would not allow her to be in the movie. <laughs> what? Come on, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Look for the helpers. <laughs> um, Carla, what, what do zombies eat? Brains. Well, you Guts. wouldn't know that from any George Romero movie because in the seven or so zombie movies he's made, they never eat brains. Interesting. It's not a, not a trope in, in his movies. So what is that, Walking Dead? There is a movie called Return of the Living Dead, which is not affiliated with George Romero. Instead, it was based on a script that was written by John Russo, his co-writer. So they eventually parted ways and they agreed that Russo would keep the rights to Living Dead. The phrase Living Dead, Romero would earn the rights to Of the Dead. So he did Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, etc. So Return of the Living Dead is more of a comedy that was made in the mid-80s. And in that movie, they invented the trope of zombies wanting to eat brains and saying, brains. Funny. And The Simpsons did a parody of that. And in the little article I read, because I was like, zombies eat brains, right? Where did I get that? Yeah. Um, It comes from that movie. And it also kind of explains that for a lot of people, remember the Simpsons episode uh, where they clearly are wanting to eat brains. Like they search Homer and they can't find a brain. They move on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so for a lot of kids, that was their first exposure to the zombie trope probably. And then it just kind of got locked in. Wow. But it's something that's not that common in any zombie movies and certainly not in any George Romero zombie movie. Cool. Um, but Carla said when they're trying to shoot the zombies, Carla said, got to get them in the head. Even I know this. <laughs> that is a Romero trope is shooting. You can't kill them unless you shoot them in the head. Um, at one point, Ben says, you can be the boss down the cellar. I'm boss up here. And Carla said, nice. <laughs> Carla said, I think I have a feeling the zombies, the daughter's becoming a zombie. Am I right? And she is right. And she eats her dad and it's really gross. Uh, here's Carla on the news reports. This is an effective way to get out a lot of information. <laughs> <laughs> Carla said, or this is in uh, reaction to the news report, kind of philosophizing as to what might be going on. And Carla said, or they might be dead, or they might be zombies. <laughs> 
What a dummy, stupid woman. That's probably on Barbara again. <laughs> <clears throat> Here's Carla on the uh, the militia at the end. This could be a newscast from today with these weirdos with guns. Yeah. Karen the kid awakes and eats her parents. What a Karen. <laughs> She's a real Karen. Eating her parents. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bummer of an ending. It's very bleak, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think, yeah, I, I don't know whether to buy their explanation that they didn't mean for there to be a racial subtext because it's unavoidable now, isn't it? Yeah, and I just don't know. Like, even the pictures at the end definitely conjure, like, memories of, like, the Emmett Till pictures. And I don't know. I just don't buy it. <laughs> but does it – does that relevance, does that deeper meaning make it a better movie? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't think I would have appreciated it as much had I known that they didn't mean to do that. Awesome. Glad you saw it? Yes. Cool. Let's move on to Shaun of the Dead. Okay. Did you see this when it came out? I did. I saw it in the theater. I did not see it in the theater. I think I saw it on video, uh, maybe when it was first released. And uh, I've seen it a number of times over the years. This is the first movie of the Cornetto trilogy mm -hmm. by Edgar Wright and uh, Simon Pegg, along with, of course, Hot Fuzz and The World's End. Mm -hmm. I think their central conceit is let's take all the tropes of zombie movies and just transport them to England. <laughs> right? I mean, isn't that the, that's the game of all of those movies. Yeah. Right? Take a, a body snatching movie, a, an, a buddy action, cop action movie, mm -hmm. and a zombie movie. And like, what it would it be like with English people? Well, at, at a pub. At a pub. Right. In, in all of them. I mean, partially, like, there's not uh, an easy access to firearms in mm, England, right? right? So that that's a big part of it. There's the rifle that's uh, over the pub, right? Oh, I didn't even register that. You're right. <clears throat> the It's the Winchester pub. So they have an old school Winchester rifle at the bar that they're always debating of, like, is it is it real? No, no, it's a replica. And then they end up using the, the rifle later. So they've got to find weapons. How? Right? I can't believe I'm just now realizing this. Of course. Yeah. I'm so desensitized to guns. That it didn't even register as a plot point to me. Yeah, I don't know that it's like a, you know, satirical, you know, argument that they're making so no. much. It's just like they're just working with what right. they – I mean, that's part of what makes it so funny is how English they are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So this was co-written by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, uh, who had already collaborated on Spaced. Uh, and it features some bunch of other actors who you saw in Spaced mm -hmm. as well. I realized in watching this, I never saw Spaced Series 2. Really? We, we have the DVD. I've seen the first six episodes, but never the second season. Oh, I watched it. I love Spaced. It's so fun. And uh, Jessica Hines, who's the co-lead in, uh, in Spaced, kind of shows up in a cameo role in this as his ex-girlfriend, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, what are, your, what are your overall thoughts on Shaun of the Dead? Um, I think it came out right around the same time that uh, 28 Days Later did, didn't it? Was it the same Roughly, year? yeah. I think 2004 for Shaun of the Dead, maybe 2002 for 28 Days Later. 2003, maybe? Yeah. Um, I'm just saying that because I know I saw that in the theater, too. With my boyfriend at the time, who wasn't you? All right, congrats. <laughs> 
Uh, anyways, it felt like a zombie renaissance that year or those couple years. And I thought it was really funny when I first saw it. I don't know that it, I mean, it's, it was fun to see it again now. I've probably seen it three or four times in my life. Um, and I don't know that it has the legs of maybe a hot fuzz for me. Um, (laughs) the rewatchability, um, because the zombies don't come in until pretty late, which is something I didn't realize. It part of the fun, I think, is, you know, he's breaking up with his girlfriend, Liz, you know, mm-hmm. or she's kind of dumping him. They're they're in trouble. And so he's kind of bummed out, you know. Right. And so him missing all the approaching signs of the apocalypse, right. which are happening all around him while he's kind of self-obsessed. Uh, is a big part of the early comedy of this movie. Yeah. But even, yeah. Even the stuff like his red pen breaking in his shirt and it looking like blood, like, it, or people in the background walking slowly, like all of that is really funny. Um, but the action doesn't really start. No, it takes a while. Yeah. 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 I think we've also watched a couple of other horror comedies mm-hmm. uh, recently as, as well. And I think with a premise-heavy movie like this, it is kind of hard to sustain that level for an hour and a half. Right. You know, um, I think it's I think it's enjoyable all the way throughout. And one of the things that they really do in this is make you care about the characters, right? A lot. Yeah, you know? they focus on the relationships. They fo- it's a relationship movie. It's kind of it's a zombie rom com. Yeah. Right. So it might be that they spend so much time making you care about that, that in some parts, I think both the comedy and the action takes a back seat mm. to, to that a little bit. There's a yeah. little bit of a lull when they're in the pub later. Yes. Um, it's just kind of a minor complaint for me. I, I feel like Hot Fuzz, which is actually longer, mm-hmm. sustains its energy and its premise. Uh, and it has that, that just like great, action set piece at the end yeah. as they... And it's more of a mystery and like the yes. tension builds. Um, these are minor complaints for me too. I really do enjoy Shaun of the Dead. It's very funny, very enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> Carla said, I can't watch people coughing. And I write, yeah, maybe it's too real. Because <laughs> you know? uh, that pandemic that we're living through is, is kind of exploding right now. Yeah. He says with a giant smile on his face. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's great. <laughs> One of uh, Edgar Wright's kind of uh, talents as a director, I think, is those quick rapid fire cuts are like one of his staples. Yeah. You know, and it's so well done in this. Yes. And that too has become kind of a parody of itself. You know, like Edgar Wright. I think when people talk about Edgar Wright's films, they immediately think of those quick cuts. Yeah. that That's his thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when they do find that first uh, zombie in their backyard, right? They impale her on a patio table <laughs> and then she gets back up with a hole in her. Carla yeah. said, that's ridiculous. <laughs> uh I also love the uh, the asshole roommate played by Peter Serafinowicz, who, of He's course, great. turns into a zombie. And I was like, oh, where's the scene where Nick Frost kills him and is like, he was a zombie? And, of course, I'm remembering that same Simpsons episode that I talked about before, <laughs> which is 
Homer kills Ned Flanders, and he's like, uh, diddly do, Homer, can I uh, eat your brain? And, and Homer kills him with a shotgun, and Lisa goes, Dad, you killed the zombie Flanders. And Homer goes, he was a zombie? <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason watching this, I'm like, oh, no, that's not a shot of the dead joke. That's a Simpsons joke. But it's the same premise, kind of, right. like that they just kill Pete because he's an asshole. <laughs> I love the mom's line. They were a bit bitey. Yeah. Um, we ju- we just rewatched. Uh, we just watched, not rewatched. Thank God. Uh, the new Sofia Coppola movie, which is not great, no. right? But it's got Bill Murray in it, and Bill Murray is awesome. Yeah. And he's awesome in the movie. And it kind of occurred to me watching Shaun of the Dead that Bill Nye is the english equivalent of bill murray oh, yeah, like sure. in that i'm always happy to see him, him in a movie he's always perfect like you always care about him immediately yeah and i he is uh he's the stepfather that sean doesn't get along with and then when he gets bitten and turns into a zombie and like he tries to like apologize to sean like i'm tearing up just thinking about you it bill knight right now and bill knight is so good <laughs> he is isn't great. he He's great. He's great in everything. He was just in the Emma remake, right? Yeah. As the father. Yeah. He's great in that too. Uh, no, I, I think that's so, that's such a great comparison. Um, cause he is, he's like that sarcastic friend or relative that everybody has that like nobody really likes except that you can't help but love him. <laughs> exactly. They're classic slow zombies in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and it felt like the use of the news reports for exposition is straight out of Romero. Mm-hmm. Though the, we're coming to get you, Barbara, I kind of... Uh, Solidifies that. Solidified that. Um, Craig just wiped away a, a tear. I'm still thinking about Bill Nye getting <laughs> killed. Um, uh. But also there was like three quick scenes of like, okay, this is the plan. We go to the pub. Uh, you know, Don't forget to kill Philip. <laughs> Um, that, that also feels like classic Edgar Wright, right? Like yeah. the different outcomes of them rehearsing the plan over and over. Um, can I take us on a tangent for a moment? Please. What is it with men and father son stories? <laughs> like even men who have good relationships with their fathers. Yeah. I, I just think it's. Cause like a lot of stories like that hit you hard. They do. <laughs> uh, and my dad and I tell each other we love each other. Uh, you have a great relationship with We have your a dad. great relationship. I mean, I guess the classic explanation is that, like, my dad never said he loved me or whatever. Of Like, my dad, you know, was never around or – I don't know. I, I do find it very, very emotional. I think it is – it's tied into, like, toxic masculinity, masculinity and, yeah. like, what men are supposed to be or whatever and all that bullshit, you know. It hits me, too. But it's like a lot of things emotionally affect me. So. Yeah. Uh, but that's my thing. But that's your thing. But it's not just your thing. Like a lot of men I know like love Big Fish, right? Isn't that a father's yes. thing? Yes, absolutely. Or that Tom Hanks movie where he's a gangster. Yeah. Perdition, sure. Which I really liked as well. But anyway. Okay. Thank you for this tangent. It is absolutely a thing. Uh, I also love the never taking a shortcut bit where he falls over the hedge trying to yes. uh, to jump over it. And then that garden fence bit pays off great in Hot Fuzz where he jumps over like 20 of them in a row. Yes, right? yes. That's like a little callback to, to this movie. Um, 
And of course, for British comedy nerds, the scene where they run into their doppelgangers who are also like going around, you know, <laughs> there's six of them. They're all famous British comedy people like Martin Freeman and Matt Lucas, you yeah. know, and they all pass each other, including Don and Tim from the British office, you know, yeah. that's, that's just a great scene. I think that's the most iconic scene in this movie. For me. Yeah. Which is very brief, right? Yeah. But yeah, it's good for British comedy fan nerds. Um, and of course, they have the asshole friend, David. Uh, Carla said, this guy's the worst. We know he's going to get killed. Right. Uh, in a particularly nasty way. And oh boy, he does. Yeah. I mean, for a comedy like the effects in this are really good. The makeup on the zombies is great. It doesn't look like a low budget movie. No, there's some good violence in it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other iconic scene is kicking ass to Queens, Don't Stop Me Now yes. <laughs> in the pub. Just like the most it's choreographed, too, the most inappropriate so song. Funny. Yeah. There's also an earlier scene that's choreographed to the music, too. It's, so it's kind of like uh, predicting uh, Baby Driver, right? Oh, yeah. Of how, how much Edgar Wright likes to cut specifically to a, a song. Yeah, I guess they, they choreographed that. Uh, and shot it to Don't Stop Me Now without getting the rights yet from Queen. Oh, shit. Luckily, uh, Brian May was cool enough to let them do it, but they would have been screwed yeah. if Queen had said no because it was all dependent on that. Uh, yeah, I wrote The Fun Stops a Bit Just Like The World's End. The World's End also has kind of like a third act, yeah. you know, lull, right? Where right. It's maybe a little too serious. Um. The military kind of come in as a deus ex machina, uh, but then it's a, it's a happy ending. Sean and Liz are together, and Ed's tied up in the garden, and they're playing <laughs> video games together. He's a zombie. <laughs> um, and then Carla at the end said, cute. <laughs> it's a sweet movie. It is. I agree. Got a lot of heart for a comedy. <laughs> well, let's move on to our third and last zombie movie, Train to Busan. Yes. This I had never heard of before we started this podcast this month, and this felt like it kept turning up as a recommendation that people had. Yeah, my friend Rick Kent um, said this was one of his favorite zombie movies, I think was the first person who mentioned it, and then maybe some people tweeted it at us, and then when I was looking up, like, best zombie movies, this kept popping up. And did it deliver? A hundred percent. This movie was great. I thought this was one of the best movies we've seen this month. Period. I agree. Yeah. Now, this is this is certainly could be considered horror, but this also felt to me just like a classic big budget action blockbuster. Yeah. In that it's got a little bit of everything. It's mm -hmm. got some comedy in it. It's got some heart. It's got some incredible action. It's got a great premise. It's got some drama. It's just got a little bit of everything. Great actors. Really good acting in yeah. it. Yeah. So our... Our lead guy is uh, – I'm, I'm going to massacre all these Korean names, but uh, yeah. Sook Woo, uh, played by Yu Gong, and, uh, and he's kind of a shitty dad, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's a businessman, and he has a little daughter, and he's trying to take her uh, from Seoul to Busan where her mother lives, you know, for a visitation with her, with her mom, right? Mm -hmm. And there's kind of – like all the classic zombie movies, there's uh, kind of warning signs that society is on the brink of collapse. He gets on this commuter train with a bunch of other people. It's almost like speed, right? Yeah. We, we meet just a, there's a couple of old ladies 
And there's kind of a roughneck guy and his pregnant wife. And there's a team of baseball players, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just like trading in all of these classic action movie tropes. And we know that like, well, some of these people are going to make it. Some of these aren't. But they're all stuck on a train together. And of course, the the last person on is a young lady who's already been bit. She turns into a zombie, starts biting people and... And Train to Busan is off and running. It's incredible. It's so well done, and it sustains the intensity and the action the whole time. And the way that the zombies turn is by far the best I've ever seen. It's instant. Yes, but they also, like, you can see the poison or whatever it is going through their veins, and then their whole expression turns and their eyes turn different color. It's really, really, and it happens in like seconds. It's really cool. They get bit and they turn and then they're off and running. And these are fast zombies. They're really fast. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll just like jump out of nowhere. <laughs> so the director is Yon Sang Ho and he is an animator. So he, oh. this was his first live action movie. So he's a little like Ooh. Brad. Brad Bird from Pixar, who then transitioned to making Mission Impossible movies. That's incredible that this is his first live action. It's amazing. But you think like animators, you know, it's all about the storyboarding, right? So it mm. feels like uh, the the look of this movie is very well thought out. And the angle of every shot, you know, maybe feels a little like a animator's eye. Yeah. Uh Another great cold open in this, right? There's a, a truck driver going through a quarantine zone, uh, and he hits an animal. We thought it was a dead dog. Carla said, oh, no. <laughs> and then it turns out it's a, a deer. Carla said, zombie deer? And yes, it is a zombie deer because this roadkill gets up uh, and walks away, and it's got that zombie look in its eyes. Yep. And we know that, that shit is going down. So, yeah, the daughter wants to take the titular train to Busan. He gets her a wee when he already got her a wee for her last birthday. What a shitty dad. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've not seen tons of Korean movies, but uh, judging from Parasite and uh, other Bong movies yeah. that I've seen, like they're very efficient at genre blending. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it, it, there's a little bit of everything going on in this, which is which is part of the fun. Um Carla said, this is going to be scary, isn't it? And yes, it is. (laughs) Your favorite character was definitely the guy played by uh, the actors. uh, His Korean name is Dong Sok Ma, uh, but he also goes by Don Lee. And I guess he's an American citizen. Hmm. Um, Also, the young actor who was also in Parasite, who plays the main baseball guy, is a Canadian citizen as well. So these are... Uh, guys who have immigrated from Korea, but also go back and work in Korea as as well, uh, as Stephen Yoon does sometimes too. Yeah, from um, another zombie franchise. Yeah, but his character Sanghwa is the guy who's like he's he's the tough guy, and he is immediately like in the face of uh, of the shitty dad and giving him shit. In a funny way, though. In a funny way. He's a ball buster. Yeah, he's great. This is like one of my favorite characters that I've seen in a long time on screen. I thought he was so funny, but also very like relatable. And he's the guy that you want to be in that situation. Yeah. Which I don't want to spoil this movie for anyone. So let's not spoil. Are we not going to talk through all the plot points? I don't think so. Okay, because it's pretty recent and and probably a lot of people have not seen it. And I would just say, if you're listening, if you've gotten this far in this podcast, 
if I could recommend one, only one film from this whole month, this is the one that I would recommend. You've already, you gave it to our friend Jamie Moyer, who we've had in this podcast yeah. many times. Hi, Jamie. Uh, and she loved it. Yeah. Right. And I'm afraid to like say that because I don't want people, cause you know how when somebody recommends something, you're like, this is going to be the best thing. And then it's not, but <laughs> nonetheless, I'm going out on a limb here and saying, definitely watch this movie. If you're in America and you have Amazon prime, it's available for streaming on Amazon prime right now, or I'm sure you can rent it, uh, anywhere. Yeah. Um, here's more Carlos quotes. I'm so stressed out. <laughs> One thing about these zombies is they're they're not that smart. They are they are aggressive. Uh their their hearing is really good. Yeah. So there's a lot of parts of trying to be quiet, but they don't see that well. And so when the lights go out, when the train goes under a tunnel, the zombies can't see you, but they can hear you. Yep. And another thing they do is they wet a newspaper, the the passengers, and put it against the uh, the window so the zombies can't see them. And the zombies can't figure out how to open the train doors yeah. either. Uh, but within that relatively – I mean they do get off the train briefly and then get back on the train. But it really works through the logic of that reality really well and mm-hmm. gets the maximum amount of action that you can out of that relatively claustrophobic – setting yeah um it's incredible the amount of things that they figured out to keep us interested in the action of it on that train at one point the dad uh is calling the grandma uh and she dies over the phone and the little girl says is grandma okay and carla said no man she just turned into a zombie on the over the phone with me One thing that I really liked in this is they, you see somebody on their smartphone and it shows that zombie is trending on Twitter. Oh, I didn't even see that. Oh, really? <laughs> like it's it's like a trending hashtag on on oh, Twitter. Maybe I, did. I can't remember now. Yeah. I feel like I would have registered that. So you know, for a modern zombie movie, it's kind of adjusting to the realities of uh, of social media. I uh, thought that they very efficiently used cell phones in this. Yeah, like. N- Obviously, everybody has a cell phone, but then they use them in the movie the way you actually would in that situation, and even more so. And I feel like a lot of movies don't they're, – they're just like, oh, the service, the towers are out so that they don't become a part of it anymore, you know, so that it's not like a, a thing to use because yeah. they can't think of anything clever. But this movie, they work the whole time. They can get through to people. Like, none of the towers are out, and, like, the phone lines aren't busy, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Which is so, I mean, I think that that really is impressive and something that most movies don't do. And they probably have better cellular infrastructure (laughs) than we do here. I mean, the the central focus of this movie is, and there's there's an uh, argument at the heart of this. It's like collective action versus selfishness, Mm -hmm. right? So we have our hero, our main guy, who is kind of the selfish businessman who learns to work, you know, for the collective good and to, you know, to help his daughter and others on the train uh, versus the tough guy who is all about, you know, generosity and helping. Every- That's all he does is help other people out throughout the movie. Um, I did write, this is why South Korea beat COVID. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but obviously from watching Parasite, like there are, uh, social and class 
you know, tensions there that are just as bad as we have here in America. And then there's another businessman, an older businessman who represents the real asshole, right? Mm -hmm. Who won't let all of our heroes back on his part of the train and kind of gets in cahoots with the conductor to like keep them off. You know, that's the guy that you really want to see die. Yeah. And uh, maybe he does. We won't, we won't spoil all the plot points. We're not spoiling it. Uh. There's one point where they're supposed to get off at a station and the soldiers are going to be waiting for them to take them into custody. And oh boy, those soldiers are not, they are waiting for them, but they're all fucking zombies. Yes. And Carla said, oh no, are you fucking kidding me? Run, fucking run. (laughs) (laughs) And all these zombie soldiers start chasing after them. We get a close up on one of them and his teeth. Carla said, ooh, look at his chompers. Those are the biggest chompers I've ever seen. (laughs) So scary. (laughs) And then the conductor starts the train and it starts pulling away as some of our heroes are still running after it. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. You're spoiling it. Well, Carlos said, oh, train to Busan. Wait for us. Wait for us, train to Busan. (laughs) 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 Carlos said, this is such a good movie. I'm totally into it, but I have a feeling a lot of people are going to (laughs) die. Craig, if you ever turned into a zombie, I would for sure punch you in the face and rip out your brain. That was one of our vows. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to read any quotes that spoil anything. At one point during the movie, Benny, who for once was not on the couch with the pillow, he was under the coffee table and he was sleeping (laughs) and he was having a bad dream. So he was barking and growling in in his sleep. And Carla said, oh, buddy, you having a zombie dream? (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Carly said, remember the old days when zombies couldn't move very fast? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm a little, I mean, this is partially just our bias against subtitled films. Like, I feel like if our country was more open to watching a subtitled film, like, this would have been a humongous box office hit. Like, it checks all the boxes that you want out of an action thriller. Uh, in the way that I haven't actually seen one that's done that yeah. in a while, an yeah. American Hollywood movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there's a remake. Right. Uh, I didn't actually look to see if they have a remake planned. But to me, the – I mean, you'd have to make it with Tom Cruise and The Rock, right? <laughs> Maybe Tom Cruise is too old to be the shitty dad, but I mean, he'd be perfect for it, at least at a certain time of his life, you know, the idea, it's Jerry Maguire, right? Right, right. And I can totally see Tom Cruise running from those zombies, Tom Cruise style. Uh, The Rock or maybe John Cena, right? You'd have to have a wrestler in that role because he needs to be funny and he needs to be convincingly tough, Yeah. right? Uh, You have any other casting ideas? Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) Sure. He'd be great. He's young enough to be the dad. Oh, he'd be the dad. But uh, but I wouldn't buy that he couldn't kick ass, right? Right. You're right. I don't know. Let me think. Um, what's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> I, we we got to wrap it up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Carla, you want to give Night of the Living Dead a letter grade? I want to give it an A minus if they meant to do the social commentary. And if they didn't? A B plus. Okay. I'll give it a B. Oh, okay. 
Uh, I think it's interesting from an academic perspective to study it, but uh, I, I wouldn't seek it out for my zombie thrills. Right. Shaun of the Dead? I would give it a B plus. I'd give it a B plus as well. And Train to Busan? A. I'd give it an A minus. Interesting. Why minus? Um, I don't, I don't like uh, action movies that push all the buttons that well. Oh. <laughs> I mean... Okay. <laughs> I mean, to be an A minus for a movie that I just saw for the first time is a really good grade. I mean, the previous 10 minutes would, you know, conflict with that, but okay. <laughs> it's actually not a type of movie that I seek out very much. Like, I don't like speed or anything like that. Right, right, You know, right. it's not my it's not my kind of movie, really. I see, I see. Um, and I think it does rely on, like, tropes, like the old ladies and, and stuff like that. That's that are, why it's so great. That are, well, I, I know. For certain people, they want something that just hits them right in the sweet spot. That's not really the thing that I'm looking for. Well, then I'm going to give it an A+. plus. <laughs> okay, so we <laughs> average out to a solid A. <laughs> Years. Carla, you loved you loved Train to Busan. I really did. Well, you want to do a little khaki theater? Sure. Uh, I think we just got to do Craig and Carla in the apocalypse then. Okay. So I think we're walking our dogs around our neighborhood in L.A. Come here, Frankie. There you go. You guys, uh, you guys almost done? <laughs> Sorry, Benny's being silly. Come on, Ben. Let's get it together. All right, let's. Uh, there's somebody approaching. Let's uh, let's go to the other side let's of the walk street. The other side. Why are they following us? Well, that's weird. They don't even have a dog. Holy fuck! Holy fucking shit! What? Is that a zombie? Carla, come on. Oh my god, that's a zombie. No. Yes, it is. <laughs> Carla, We've no. just watched all these zombie movies. I know what a zombie is. Yeah, Carla, there is no such thing as zombies. Craig, watch out! Craig! Craig! Ah! Oh, God! Oh! Oh, it got my brain! Oh! It got my brain! Craig, come here! Come here! Mm. I'm going to put you in a fridge! Oh. And I'm going to rip all your brain! <laughs> I told you I would do it if you ever turned into a zombie. No, Carla, I think I'm actually still okay. Oh, what are you doing? Don't don't punch me. I made a vow that I would pull out your brain. Oh, why did turn into a zombie? Why did we we include that in our wedding vows? That was so weird. Oh, Carla, they're biting Benny. They're biting Benny. It's okay. He's had a long. He's got a good run. I'm out of here. You're gonna give up your dog that soon. Bye. <laughs> Wow. Resourceful Carla. I'm telling you, I'm going to survive longer than you. Okay. <laughs> when it happens, I'm all about myself. So you're not going to be about the collective good? Yeah, fuck no. Okay, so you learned nothing from Train to Busan. <laughs> uh, you're not going to sacrifice yourself? Nope. Okay, good What's to know. point? Good to know. Uh, uh, but let's get on the record. I would immediately be killed. Um <laughs> Carla, we got to move on to uh, a new theme. And uh, although this is a trilogy, we're only covering two of them, and I think it's fine. Yeah. Right? We're going to do the Evil Dead series, and specifically, we are covering the Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. Yep. These are slapsticky uh, horror comedies. Yep. 
And uh, that was your first time seeing either of them. Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, Carla's agreeing on all those counts. And uh, we'll see you soon for another Craigslist. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs>